Welcome to Curito Connects. I'm your host, Jen, and I've been conversing with friends around the world about life challenges and impactful moments. Conversations on this platform look at answering the questions, how we overcome challenges and how our experiences shape who we are and the work we do today. I hope this work can inspire you on your own personal and individual journey. Let's dive right in. Hello, my guest today is Daphne Chua, founder of Somatic Therapy Asia based out of Singapore. She is a registered yoga therapist, movement educator, body worker, and specialist in somatic therapy. Hi, Daphne. Hi, Jen. Nice to see you (laughs) virtually. Yes, very nice to connect with you virtually. Actually, this is our first time virtually meeting and our and, and we're recording today. Uh, so in an earlier episode on Carito Connects, we spoke to Tara Eden, who runs Somatic Movement Projects out of Chiang Mai. And she was the one who connected Daphne and I. Uh, and I think you both met in Chiang Mai as well, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I'm really excited to have another Somatic Movement therapist share her journey today with us. Uh, Daphne has, over the last decade or more, because um, I actually don't know how old you are, Daphne, but that's okay. <laughs> We probably reflected on her life like a living roller coaster ride, uh, having uprooted herself to different countries, uh, went through different relationship challenges, to finding identity, having to deal with um, some family issues as well. But within all that, yoga and somatic therapy has been the common denominator for keeping her grounded and and finding finding herself. So. I want Daphne to share with us her journey. Wow, that's a very big question. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I feel like I always give these introductions and then I just go, okay, here you go. Like, Let's go. Boom. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, thanks, Jen, for inviting me on this podcast. And yeah, I want to also acknowledge Tara, our dear friend, uh, which I I haven't met in a while. Um, actually, Tara was definitely the the bridge that connected yoga to somatics when I first attended um, her her class in Chiang Mai, and she she really introduced me to what somatics is about. I've heard about it, I practiced it a little bit, but she was the light bulb, yeah that that shone the way. So thank you, Tara. <laughs> and thank you for connecting us, Tara. Yeah. Um, I, I was a, a corporate executive, so I am quite old. Um, that was, I was a corporate executive up till 2008. Okay. Um, yeah. So that was 12 years in corporate. And now, wow. yes, <laughs> do the math. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to do the math. I can't tell. I'm like looking at you through the screen and I feel like, oh, we're the same age. <laughs> Could be. Maybe in my heart we are the same age. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, being being brought up in, in, in Singapore where it is very much um, go, go, go. You have academic excellence and then you pursue a career and also I'm a Gen X person so at that time it's very much about get the degree be a doctor be a lawyer be a business person um, and that was kind of the the way I went and 
I've always felt a little bit disenchanted and disconnected. I don't really know what it, what it is or what it was at that time. And then in 2008, the universe decided it for me with the <laughs> global financial crisis in which um, my department that uh, I was heading was dissolved like overnight. I was in corporate communications, uh, working for working in media and entertainment, so really uh, fast-paced, dynamic, lots of travel. Um, yeah, pretty cutthroat, I would say. Yeah, um, and that was like the first department to get hit after after beloved Lehman in two thousand eight. <laughs> yes, uh, I guess also I was working for an American company, so it was higher fire, and I think like the the first thing that yeah that that was to go and the irony was i was doing the communications for the layoffs in north america and then it came to asia and then i was just like do i communicate my own layoff but anyway um so i was laid off um and it was it was really it was relief in the end but also because i kind of followed that singaporean path of like climbing the corporate ladder i've never ever been unemployed i was always headhunted or you know always had a job i got a job even before i finished university so it, it came to me as a shock at first and then it became a, a big mess of confusion just like um so what just happened i have no more identity i don't have a business card i don't have my blackberry at that time you know i don't have my laptop it's just like everything was company issued to me all the devices I had have always been company issued and then suddenly I'm deviceless and name cardless and so I, I'm just like oh huge identity crisis so who am I um but something in me was just like okay I think I don't really want to get back into the rat race or at least take a break from it um, and then someone said to me, actually a good friend said to me at that time, the world is your oyster now. So I try to see it that way, you know, the half full, half empty. Um, and then I decided to do something meaningful. So I went to Cambodia and started volunteering with an NGO. And that was the start of the journey. And I never came back to Singapore until December 2019. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so it started in Cambodia and then I I went and did like the whole eat pray love thing. <laughs> um went to India, studied yoga, um and and also dwelled a little while in the Philippines. Um then landed in Vietnam. I lived in Vietnam for four and a half years. I really um, started my yoga career <laughs> there, um, learning how to ride a motorbike and zipping around the city. And then suddenly understanding that, you know, there is order amongst chaos. There's a natural order of things, you know. Like <laughs> for those who have never been to Vietnam... <laughs> You'll understand what that means when you're standing in the middle of the streets, either in Hanoi or Ho Chi Minh City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Across the street. Yes, the first day I stood at the traffic light 
waiting for the traffic light to turn or the cars or the bikes to stop. I stood there for such a long time. And I still remember this scene so vividly. There was this this lady with, you know, carrying the pole with two baskets and she had this conical hat and she saw me standing there. She she reached her hand out, took my hand and took me across the street. And oh. <laughs> if only social media was a thing back then, you know, someone would have like pressed record and be like, look at that foreign girl trying to cross the street. I with know. Lady. But I'm <laughs> sure, I'm sure I, I was one of many who did that. And that was the first day. And then, you know, within, within months, I was like zipping around on a motorbike. It was like, oh, this is freedom. But of course, freedom came at a cost of, a few falls and a few broken bones um <laughs> but yeah i'm actually still more comfortable being on two wheels than driving a car now so <laughs> well ta- taiwan is waiting for you i did actually did a motorbike trip in taiwan uh, <laughs> as well yeah actually it's it's beautiful and as i mentioned to you earlier like i wish I could move there in a heartbeat. I would do that. It's like So we're at we're at Vietnam. And before we continue with your Eat Pray Love journey before you move back to Singapore, mm. I did want to ask like during this time, mm. was your family like, what is she doing? Like we're gonna disown her. <laughs> I, I say that because we're Asian, you know, and so it's kinda like, oh my God, she had such a good job and you know, she was she was doing so well and she was about to get married. I don't know, you know, and, and suddenly you're like, goodbye. I'm like going to Cambodia. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> checking in once in a while, you know, like there, I mean, just to a certain degree, there is still a level of fear there too. Of course, right? absolutely. Like, and you're like, okay, I'm living off of my savings, I think, or mm-hmm. like, I'm going to mm-hmm. make this work. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I doing? You know, <laughs> like yeah, during that time, like, how did you, deal with the noises the you know the external the internal the what you were conditioned raised with and what you were exposed to yeah so there there was that but of course family um that was that was uh, always been something that it always comes up whenever whenever we speak or come back for a visit and 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 that generation, the post-World War II generation, just like, you know, we've been through so much hardship and poverty and and to see you through university. My, my dad was just like, you've got a degree and you want to be, you want to be a masseuse? <laughs> he was really upset. Um, and it, it took, it took a long while to, to, for them to finally understand because, I think like words sometimes can't change belief system until they really see how you have transformed and and how the work has has uh, molded you um, into this person that you are and, and 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 I think you can see too like when you are doing something that is authentic, um, you 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 can sense that the person it, it's like it's your dharma is you're meant to do this. Um, even though it's hard. And yes, I actually went through, I would, I would say probably two years of, of dissonance in the sense of like, what am I doing? 
you know, um, like riding a motorbike in Saigon traffic and nearly getting hit by a bus for the the tenth time, or like the rain is torrential and the floodwaters were coming out of the sewers and. You know, I'm still. I'm like, am I on a bike or a jet ski? And then I'm like completely drenched and have to go for another class and and then earning a fraction of what I used to, and like, oh gosh, I don't have medical benefit. I don't have like uh, insurance and all that stuff. Of course, I mean, there's there's so much of that is conditioning, like of what success looks like, um, but. Yeah, I think also after a while, it's just kind of like you know the what you get out of it, and and when you feel that you are you are doing what you meant to do, um, that that comes true, and there's no way that you you can go back, and there's no way that I can go back. I know that. I mean, I don't know if I can ever. Is did someone offer me like a a million dollar corporate job? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else listening out there? <laughs> so, so okay, so so you stayed in Vietnam the longest, then, right? Of of your hopping around. Yeah, Vietnam was the longest uh, home, even though there was um, still a lot of traveling while I was there. Because so you were primarily just teaching yoga. Yes, uh, I was doing body work. I started doing body work in two thousand ten. Okay and uh, yoga and body work but mostly at that time I was doing mostly teaching mostly yoga classes um, uh, to the to both locals and expats uh, teaching in a lot of international schools actually yeah yeah and uh, during the time offs which the the teachers go on school holidays that's uh, probably I work about seven to eight months a year and the rest of the time I'll travel so I started going to Chiang Mai year annually, um, starting 2010 as well. I started going to Chiang Mai uh, every year and then got connected with the yoga community in Chiang Mai. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And then so during that whole time, was it more clear to you that this is what you wanted to do? Like just body work and yoga um, and you met Tara who then introduced you to somatic movements yeah absolutely absolutely it was really um clear to me that this is the the, what I needed to do but then in 2012 I had an injury um that um I had a pinched nerve in my neck that went down my arm and I, I for a couple of months and I was on a yoga training at that time I was my it was the first yoga teacher training that I was uh, assisting uh, as an assistant trainer and then and I was really really excited at that opportunity and it was it happened so uncannily on the first day of the training and it was a one-month training that I had the pinched nerve and it got worse and worse and then I couldn't use my right arm and I'm right-handed <laughs> um yeah that was like a major lesson as well that kind of uh, got me into understanding how we develop relationship with our body at that time I I faced another existential crisis and like oh my god I changed my whole life I changed my career I thought this is going to be it and now I can't use my right arm (laughs) 
what what was the what was the cause of the pinched nerve that you know numbed your right arm? I don't think there wasn't there was like any particular thing that made that happen. I think it was just it was years of repetitive stress, um, probably from doing a lot of computer work. And I think also naturally I'm hypermobile, so I don't have a lot of um, my joints Strength. are not stable. Yeah. yeah. So and at that time I didn't really understand that much about joint health. So I think I just abused myself quite a bit physically, um, doing a lot of crazy yoga poses as well. And um, and I remember the day before the 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 straw that hit the camel's back. I was doing like ten minutes hit stands. Like what? Ten minute headstands? Yeah, fifteen minutes shoulder stands. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, I totally. Mm, yeah, I, I brought see. it upon myself. <laughs> and that, and yeah, so that definitely was a, a big my body somatic lesson. Um, and what really got me through that was also instead of this constant denial and frustration and hating my body for the pain and blaming it, blaming body for it. Um, as as luck would have it, after training, I actually signed myself up for a meditation retreat, and it was a ten day um, vipassana meditation. And I was just like, oh my god, how am I going to get through um, sitting for ten days for like you know most of the day, twelve hours, fourteen hours a day. And on the fifth day, in which we were to do a body scan, and when the the guided um, voice of Goenka moved to my neck i had tears rolling down my face and just like it was that moment i was like okay i accept you i accept you i see you i see your pain i know you're suffering and i'm going to be good to you instead of just hating you for giving me pain and that was really the start of healing and that's when i i don't know i just kind of look for help rather than trying to fix it I, yeah, I you embraced it. it. Yeah, I embraced it and healed. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what? So what happened after Vietnam? What happened after Vietnam? Um, I decided to leave on the high. I had a, a actually a really good community there. I had friends, um, and I was just like. But I could see myself kind of like getting so comfortable with the lifestyle there that I could stay there for 10, 20 years and become one of those experts that just, yeah. And I'm like, I still have a bit of a life in front of me. I'm getting older, but I don't, I don't want to like just become, just get so set in, in, in one place. So I decided to pack up my things and uh, I lived out of a suitcase for about a year and a half after that I went to Europe um, for about six months and traveled through Europe um, travel teach um, where I could and then came back to Asia after my visa ran out went to Taiwan um, China uh, then just traveled uh, a little bit more around Asia, trying to kind of wait out the period in which I could get another visa to go back to Europe because I really love Europe. Um, then um, came back 
to Chiang Mai to do uh, the, the annual teacher training. Um, and that's when I met uh, my ex-partner. And we fell in love very hard. <laughs> and then I decided to uh, relocate myself to Chiang Mai and be there full time. Yeah, so that we did that for, I think, a year and a half, two years. Um, he was already living there when we met. And then a job opportunity came up uh, for him in Australia. And then we took it and left. So then we moved to, we moved to Australia. Yeah. To Blue Mountains in New South Wales. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah, it is. It is very, very beautiful. It's very magical. Um, nature. But it's also very remote. <laughs> it is remote. That's true. Yeah. But it's very nice. <laughs> it's It's cold. Like I think my body couldn't really handle the adapt, couldn't adapt the to the cold that well. Well, I don't think that was the reason why you left, right? <laughs> I I mean that was a whole other story. I think I could write a book <laughs> on just my life in the Blue Mountains. Uh, I was still also still travel working, as I was sharing with you earlier, and so I would spend um, let's say to three months in Australia and then be on the road for six weeks, two months. Um, and it was actually became quite disruptive because Australia was so far away. And the, and because it's quite remote and the fact that I wasn't um, really always there, it was very hard to find community. Uh, so loneliness was, uh, I never... Yeah, I never thought I would be one that has to battle with loneliness. Like, because I've always, I've always been independent. I enjoy traveling solo. I, I consider myself quite introverted. I can, I'm quite happy with spending time with myself. But I think, like, just um, that vast openness, and and then being in the elements with seasons and really not having any body like no friends no family and just depending on one person for your entire happiness um that kind of yeah tore, tore me apart bit by bit yeah wow yeah, yeah and also uh, i i face more health uh, challenges and, and chronic pain i think my body was telling me something um, too, too much traveling no, too much traveling and of course uh, relationship challenges and just you know like our, our dreamy life in Chiang Mai was was was, was the past was history um, and he was working for the government who was doing shift work so most evenings I was on my own and it was cold and yeah and that was it was it was very it was definitely like um uh I would say a very dark period of my life in which I grew so much in trying to understand why why do I feel this way why why yeah. I, you know why 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 do these things get to me um because yeah. I had this notion that you know I'm strong and I can I can do anything I'm adaptable I can face any challenges but it was really uh there were days whereby it was really hard to get out of bed. 
would you say that that experience was even harder than when, you know, when 2008 came around and you lost your job and that identity. And when you went on your eat, pray, love journey of, you know, like having fun, but also kind of like that, that reality check of like, okay, but what am I doing? You know, how am I supporting myself and how am I going to shape my now career of, you know, travel teaching? Mm. Um, because with this experience, you were going in, like you were really going yeah. over. Yes, right? it was and- so much of going in. I, I don't know whether you've heard of this expression called the dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm. It's actually from, uh, it's like from St. Francis of Assisi, in which it describes where everything that you believe in, all your belief systems, have uh, fallen apart like you thought like I, I thought you know like I found yoga I have found this spiritual practice and and not that everything is going to be all right but I kind of am, I'm not like um, just in the dark you know I have self-awareness I'm always able to kind of look at things through that lens of impermanence and letting things uh, move past me and observing my feelings and then knowing that they're not that I'm not identified with it and everything that I thought that I could be, I believe in as well as the there was also this kind of uh, um, longing for the, the old me in which like before I was awakened you know whereby I didn't care about what people think I didn't care about whether I didn't care about consequences and I just go and do what I wanted to do without a care in the world. I'm, I can't have time was just this longing. Why can't I just be that anymore? Then at least I don't have to feel this struggle in which like, like why can't I deal with it? You, you get what I mean? I think that sometimes yeah. when you have a spiritual practice, there is an expectation that you put upon yourself to, to be able to be more resilient yeah, and and to kind of rise above challenges, right? And then, but then you you realize that, oh, I realized that I wasn't above that, and I'm still stuck in this mess. And then I start to long for what I was before, in which I was just kind of, if it's a messy life, I'll just you know run through the mess and just entangle myself with the mess and still come through anyway but i i'm not i'm neither here nor there so this state in between the dark night of the soul is in which like i don't really know where i am i can't be here and i can't be there everything that i believe in is no longer the, a structure or an anchor that i could hold on to yeah and, and that was that was a lot of going in for sure um, it was scary, uh, for sure. Um, physically, I was, uh, physiologically, I also went through um, some pretty intense health issues at a time. So, and I decided to come back to Singapore for treatment. And I had a surgery instead of doing it in Australia, which I could. Um, but I, I really felt like so little support there that I decided that it's, after that was already after being away for 10 years, and just like, I still 
in the end, I still come back to Singapore when I have a medical crisis. So, and and that that really stuck with me. Just like, oh, I still come back to Singapore when there's a crisis. This, this is still yeah. my home. This is where I still can trust that I can be healed or I can be fixed. You know, so I came back um to for the surgery, and it was during that time that was in the beginning of two thousand eighteen. And uh, I, my parents came to visit me in the hospital, and and then I realized how much they have aged, and how long I've been gone. Wow. Yeah. So something again, you know, stuck with me, and it's just kind of like, it's just kind of like cooking, it's marinating. I'm just like, what's uh, for? Because for the longest time, I I thought I would never come back. Singapore I, I just felt that you know this is like this place is not for me everybody's just like robots here you're just being in there on a hamster wheel I don't want to be a part of that I want to like and also I feel that the work that I do like it doesn't it's not corporate work that it is hard to to have the kind of spacious time and ease that I used to have for the last um, 10, 12, that last decade and without getting back into the rat race, you know, I really didn't want to come back to the rat race, which I left. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then to your surprise, when you left during that 10 years, this the ecosystem has changed. The ecosystem has changed. Yeah. I, and that was also in 2018, I, by the, that time, just like, hey, actually, there is the, this, this community here, there's like wellness is, is, um, get, is, is starting to thrive. And I'm getting to know more people who are in this community. I said, maybe it's not so bad. It's just that it is still a very expensive city. So, you know, I was calculating, like, if I want to kind of have an easy lifestyle, then how much do I have to work? Uh, I'm talking about just in terms of material lifestyle, like, if I want to be able to rent a space to do my work, I want to, you know, if I want to be able to go out for dinner, <laughs> Things like that, things little things like how do I maintain that ease? And I'm like, but I can't maintain that ease if I have to make so much money in order to be at this level. So I, I couldn't talk myself out of it. Like I can't find a solution. And that's when I realized that there is there is you can't think your way out of something. You just kinda have to do it. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> But it's true. It's really true. Yeah, because you 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 just you you keep thinking and you keep digging a deeper hole. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I was like, okay, maybe I can go back to Vietnam. At least I'm still closer to Singapore. You know, or maybe Taiwan, or maybe go back to Chiang Mai. Maybe I can convince him to come with me. And yeah. So it and the more the more I I get into this rut, the worse it it got. And then I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to leave it and not think it anymore. So the year went on and, um, well, and you were still healing during this process. I was still healing. I went back to Australia. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then I went back to Australia and continued to do what I was doing. Um, so 
the travel teaching and stuff. And then in December, end of December, two thousand eighteen, the same year, the um, I came. I was I I had a a, a stint around Asia, uh, and then I I made the last stop Singapore so I could spend Christmas uh, in Singapore, and so I had. Christmas with my families and twenty sixth of December, I saw my accompany my dad to the cardiologist. His new cardiologist. He was in good spirits. We had laksa. <laughs> you know what's laksa? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Singaporean noodles. Singaporean curry noodles. Curry noodles. Yeah, yeah. So we had his favorite laksa together, and then I, I I saw him to the bus stop. Then he took a bus, and I still remember. Um, just looking at him getting on the bus and saying, "My God, Dad is really old. He's really getting old." And then I went back to my friend's place that was staying at that time, packed my bag, and and left the next morning to Sydney. And so that was.、Uh, I came back to Australia. I haven't even unpacked my bag, and then、uh, came back to Australia December. Twenty seven,、um, yeah, yeah, and then December twenty ninth, I got the phone call, which actually I had a few missed calls on my phone, and、uh, but I was it was really strange because that afternoon I suddenly felt this wave of like nausea and fatigue, like something hit me from nowhere, and、I、had to go lie down. And then when I when I woke up, I had this miss this miss calls from my sister, and then I I called and no one answered, and somehow I know to call my dad, and he didn't answer, and then finally I reached my mom, and and she just said, "Uh, your papa's over," and I was just like, which which means that your your dad's gone, and I'm just like, what do you mean by gone? <laughs> Like what? What do you mean by gone? And、uh, because he was still fine, I saw him like forty eight hours ago. Um, yeah. So then, it, yeah, it happened that dreaded phone call that I, you know, I kind of had and always in the back of my mind that might happen one day. And then, but but hoping that it will never happen. And then also kind of like okay, maybe. You know that seed that was kind of growing. Like maybe one day I'll come back. I'll come back soon, and you know, and then didn't have time for that. So to to then book a ticket and then take, it's like I gave Singapore and <laughs> back to Singapore, um, and then to go back to a coffin that was hard. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of emotions there, and I mean, thankfully, I mean, I, you know, in hindsight, thankfully, they happened during that time and not during this pandemic.、Mm. I mean, right? Just absolutely the, the quarantine, the flying, the PCR tests, like yeah. And my mom was just recently in the hospital a few days ago because she had high blood pressure and was feeling dizzy, and I couldn't even go and visit her because of the restrictions. It's、um, I'm. I'm. In a way, yes. I am thankful that you know that my dad passed in in that time. Yeah, but I was still.、Um, it took me a year to come back.、Um, oh, it did. So it it wasn't like a 
quick decision of like drop my bags. I'm I'm moving home, everyone. No, 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 cause not. No, it was still a year um, of yeah, trying to figure out like. What am I going to do with my life? Um, but because I was, I mean, I was in a very serious relationship. I mean, it was really the person that I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with, and that I, it it was kind of stuck between. I was stuck between the, the rock and the hard place. You know, I'm just like, where where am I going to go? What am I going to do? But that year of trying to grieve and trying to mourn for. For the loss of my dad was, yeah. And if you want to bring somatics in at this juncture, it was really like I could, I could only know cognitively that my dad's gone because I spent the whole, that year was I wasn't here, so I couldn't feel his absence. Literally, like viscerally, my body doesn't process, cannot process that that loss. Um, like I feel I needed to miss him rather than, oh yeah, it's just another day that maybe I haven't, you know, I haven't heard his voice on the phone, you know, and that even and that that year I called my mom every day, um, and the thing is also, I never had a good relationship with my mom growing up. We were we were actually quite estranged, and that year, like calling her every day changed something. Um, and made me kind of was able to see her uh, as human being and, and offer her that compassion rather than the than the, oh you know everything that you didn't do well as a mother. Um, yeah, yeah. You got to see her in a different light during that year of both of you healing basically as well and yeah. kind of redis- rediscovering each other as an independent individual and not mother, daughter, you know, sister yeah. or yeah. 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 Just that, that humanity side of her. Like she is just another human. She's lost the, the, her, the, the love of her life and someone that she depended on all her life. And, and so I felt this deep visceral need to, to grieve and, to come back to a place in which I have memories of my dad. Mm. So it's like, oh, his favorite food. Oh, this is where we used to go. And oh, this is where we used to bike. Or even just, yeah, just even the the, the humidity, you know, that, that <laughs> just being here and just even like the things that, you know, that, I, that triggered me and we, we have lengthy conversations of, you know, my, my dad is quite philosophical. So we often talk about um, what life means. And so that's where, that's where you get it from. <laughs> yes, I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. So, um, yeah, I just needed, I needed to, I, I know that I needed to come back. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure whether... Um, it was the best decision, but it was something I needed to do. So everything else just kind of have to go out the window. and um, In- Including your relationship? Yeah, yeah. 
because it it was something that was uh, very clear that long distance is not going to work. Although we did try um, for a few months after I came back here, but then then COVID happened, um, and yeah, this is, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. There is always light at the end of the tunnel. It's just we don't know how long that tunnel is. Yes, yes, yes. But I think it's also become apparent that um, certain relationships are just meant to be there uh, or you're meant to be in it. That will help you grow uh, until a certain time. It it is finite, um, at least for this lifetime. And then, yeah, comically, maybe something, if something were, might evolve from that. And, and I must say that this, it, I, I'm still grieving um, as well from, from that. I felt like I've lost two men in my life, <laughs> the two most important men in my life. Um, so I'm still grieving that as well. But again, this is uh, another process, and uh, and with coming back here, I mean, I spent the first five month five months living with my mom after um, not living with her since I was eighteen. Um, that was also <laughs> another experience. <laughs> experience. <laughs> and, and then I moved into. Um, I've moved into my my place here that you see um, uh, one day before the the lockdown happened. Oh wow! Yeah, with it with bare walls, and you can't even get a handyman, and there's no like there's no hot water heater, and I had no furniture. And then through that, I you know I had support of friends that were like like they sent me stuff, and then I got a lot of like secondhand stuff and, and just slowly setting things up and now this is uh this is my place this is it's your sanctuary it's my sanctuary and it felt like it's it's my home for for the first time in many many years because australia never really felt like home because i was i wasn't there half the time um but there's so many people that is coming through here now that i'm connecting with um I have a busy practice at the moment. It's oh, I am back in the rat race. Um, <laughs> yeah, today is my day off. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like I'm catching you at a really good time as well. <laughs> like you're like everything is slowly aligning again. Aligning, yes, but um, it is, and then you know, like I still. I went through. I must say that I, I'm I'm coming out of it now. I I went through a pretty um, went through quite a lot of ups and downs, and the last down being quite a deep one. Um, I think the work that I'm doing now is has been very nourishing, um, but at the same time, it's also burning me out because I am back in the rat race. Um, so I'm just trying to kind of strike a balance between you know like doing the work that I, I I live for and trying to also define myself 
in other yet again things. yeah again you know i want to just be daphne the therapist like i feel like that's all like, i'm doing a lot of daphne the therapist here um because i also want to be daphne the daughter daphne the sister daphne the friend and i feel like i'm not doing much of that and uh, and a lot of things that i used to enjoy doing just like taking long walks and and doing nothing i don't have time anymore time is such a commodity now it's it's, it's yeah it really is yeah. yeah so okay well we're kind of running short on time but i wanted to you know thank you again for sh- sharing all that that was a that was a lot thank you so much uh but i i i, I do have two parts so one mm. is how does how did somatic movement therapy help you in that process for, for those who are not so familiar with with what somatic therapy is in terms of helping you with your healing process time. And I know you're still working it out. You know, we're always still working it out, you know, figuring out our kinks and learning, but having gone through all that, you know, um, and I'm going to throw in the Asian culture in there because that, you know, we did talk about that a little bit as well. What would you say to others who, who, regardless of which point they, they can relate to in your storyline, um, you know, what would you say to them to encourage them to be able to be resilient or to be able to find healing with themselves, you know, not through, um, other physical means you know like obviously some people might go into alcohol or do drugs or you know what yeah what suggestions would you give to them you know whether it's like you said transitioning from that identity of work or you know a heartbreak from a loss of a parent or you know or a breakup somatics the field of somatics is a study of the the, i would say mind body connection and you know, but it's so cliche, my body connection now, you know, everybody's talking about that, but what does that really mean? Um, I, I guess my whole life I've been trying to understand what that means. That's why I, I, I got so deep into yoga and I even so through my practice of, of, of yoga, I always feel that, you know, modern yoga uh, has the physical asana side of like postures and movement and things like that. And then there's the philosophical side in which you study the, the, the classical texts and you under, understand the subtle anatomy and the energetic stuff. But I could never really kind of bridge the two together. Like I could, it's just like it's still this or that. If you go to a yoga training, there will be like an anatomy core, uh, an anatomy module, and then there is the philosophy module. Then there's the asana, but but how do they actually come together even though yes they do come together but how is it how can you apply it such that they actually really come together it was really through somatics that i found that bridge in which like the it's quote um bonnie bainbridge cohen she's the uh, founder of bonnie my centering she said if i'm trying to remember correctly the mind is like the wind and the body is like the sand. If you want to know how the wind is blowing, you look at the sand. Oh, that's so good. That's a good one. Yeah. And and that just to me is just like, whoo, right. 
if I want to understand what um, like my state, right, my nervous system, and why, what are my triggers? What are my patterns? What are, what are my habits? What's my conditioning? What's my belief system? Belief system? What are, what are the ancestral stuff that has come through me in this vessel, and what are the stuff that came after? And then, and also the the conditioning that has been brought about through all the relationships that I have have been in or still are in, then I can inquire it through through this is here. This is a this is the canvas, flesh and blood. I think that's a great way to summarize that. Yeah, and and so like, if I if I'm in a, in a toxic relationship, um. Even though it might seem like, you know, it's like love and connection and bond, but my body is telling me something else. You know, it's like this is not really working. So how can how can I? What it becomes an inquiry. It's and like I was um, telling you earlier, instead of hating it, instead of being frustrated and denying the pain or trying to like will it away or trying to like. Go to this physio, or take that pill, or like you said, or reach for that alcohol, or like go shopping or Netflix. Which I mean, we all do. Come on, I'm not. I'm not shaming yeah. anybody for that because sometimes we do need to just walk away from certain things with distractions. But distractions only go uh, to as a yeah. It only goes so far without you hitting another wall. Yeah, and. And with curiosity, if we could just, you know, sometimes take a pause and instead of when we hit a wall and just turn around and look at it again with curiosity rather than frustration and and judgment, um, I think we can uncover a lot of things and and we can manifest a lot more um, empathy and compassion, just not just for. Ourselves, but also towards others, and relationships can change, and how we see the world can change, and our reality can change. I th- I think you answered both <laughs> in just that statement. I think that was a really good suggest. You know, like just how to approach it, right? Like basically how you just summed it up. Yeah, that was a great and, great and, way to and also to know that it's not a linear path. I think a lot of us with a spiritual practice is just like, oh, okay, we are here now, and then we're gonna get there. And also, like that's how um, religion get institutionalized, right? It's like there is an endpoint. There is a destination that you can be enlightened or you can go to heaven or whatever but to see that it is non-linear i mean somatics tells you that it's not it's not linear that everything is a cycle that and one doesn't exist without the other the, the fact that we can feel pain is because we've had experienced so much joy right so and there is that, that we go into dark places because we we know how we have experienced the light before and and yeah and that every i don't want to say this very cliche thing of like oh everything is a is a lesson and it's what you're meant to learn and and i'll I'll help you i'll be like well yes you know it's all a lesson yeah (laughs) everyone's constantly learning yeah we are constantly learning but the thing is to understand that that sometimes we we get caught up 
you know we do get we do get caught up in these things and that and to have compassion for even getting caught up understand that okay getting caught up is is also a part it is a part of the human experience it is a part of the human condition but to actually notice that we're getting caught up and then have compassion for getting caught up i think that that's the that's the that's the magic spot right that's the sweet spot yeah yeah Oh, that's very wise wisdom there <laughs> from your own experience uh, and sharing with us. Uh, is there anything else you would like to add on before we wrap up here? For those who are listening. So I'm going to include your links and your social media so people can find you or if they're interested in learning more about somatic movement uh, or somatic therapy in Asia or in Singapore. What do I want to say? Yes, and I know that somatics is uh, a buzzword at the moment because everybody's doing somatics, and and there are many different uh, subcategories of somatic. There is, uh, I feel like there's things like somatic somatic experiencing, which is dealing more um, through psychotherapy into the field of somatics. There's like TRE. There's uh, Feldenkrais, which is what uh, Tara is doing. Um, my work is more informed. Um, through body mind centering and yoga therapy so I do infuse quite a lot of uh, yoga um, wisdom into my offering so I think everybody brings um, brings their own flavor of somatics to it so it, a big part of it because this somatics it, it comes through like our experience and uh, our you know how we have how we share how we're comfortable with sharing So I think everybody yeah. is different. Um, I'm super excited that you know this is becoming more mainstream because I think yeah. it is. The, I know it's exciting. Yeah. It's exciting times. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe we could also do something together with Curito, and then you know yeah. we can get you know different. Our Curito audience can also experience your work as well. Absolutely. So yeah, but for now we'll 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 end here um, and hope this was of help to others who are listening today. Uh, and yeah. And then for those who are in Singapore, they can reach out to you. Thank you so much, Jen. Thank you so much for yeah, offering this opportunity. You. Such a pleasure to, <laughs> to be vulnerable. <laughs> well, thank you for letting me hold the space for you to do so. So thank you so much. That's all we have time for today. Thank you for listening to Curito Connects. For more Connects content, collaborations, and discoveries set to inspire you on your own individual journey, please head to our website at www.curito.co. Until next time, stay inspired and thank you for joining us at Curito Connects.